<clears throat> We're going to be in the book of Jude this morning, verse 8. Last time I uh, had a little detour from Jude, so we'll hop back in the book of Jude. Let's pray. Father God, holy, holy, holy. We're here, Lord, because of what you've done. You've uh, brought in people that would have otherwise never been uh, together in a, in a group setting, and, and not just as friends, Lord, but deeper than that. You've done what no man could do. You've, you've, you've done the impossible, Lord. You've done such work in so many of our lives, Lord, that you've brought us together Lord, as one body, Lord, we thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and we pray that you continue your work even now, Lord, through your word. Your word would go forth, would accomplish its purpose. You would settle our hearts now, our minds, that you will humble me, that your word would go forth. Please, any, any lack of, of word or clarity or any, any of my weakness, Lord, that you would turn it into uh, your glory, for your, for your glory, your purpose, Lord, that you, would, that you would help me in the weakness, that you would help me, that you would humble me, and that you would help us all to, to pay attention to your word. Please help us, stir us up, Lord, convict us, encourage us, instruct us, Lord, and use your word to do that. In the name of your Son, amen. Jude, verse 8 entitled the message, Unmasking False Teachers as Dreamers. So Jude verse 8 says there, Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Now, many of you all know that um, I'm a nurse. I work in dialysis. I don't know how many of you all know what dialysis is or what takes place in dialysis. But in dialysis, uh, people are basically hooked up to a machine and they're there for about four hours, more or less. So we try to make it comfortable for them. They're, they're laying in a reclining chair, got their blankets. And so a lot of times, and particularly in the first shift, the first hours of the day, early morning, People tend to doze off in a sleep, start sleeping. And you know, along with sleep, a lot of times people dream. And I remember one, one patient in particular, it happened a lot, happens a lot, but one patient in particular, he would constantly fall into a deep, deep sleep, and you can tell that he was in a vivid dream. I mean, he would talk to himself, uh, you know, fight. And so at times when he's doing that in particular, we have to wake him up. Hey, you know, is everything okay? You know, we've got to be careful. You got lines here and you could disconnect it. It wouldn't be nice. It would be pretty. It would be a lot of blood. All right, so we got to wake him up. So what happens? When he's woken up, he's woken up from his dream. He was in a dream world. He was living as though something was reality, but eventually he woke up from his dream. It snapped back into reality. Could you imagine for a moment living as though your dream was a reality? Right? We've all had dreams. 
Imagine a particular dream that you had and you live your life as though that dream was reality. Be crazy, right? When the text here today, we see that false teachers are categorically dreamers and they live their life continually as though their dreams was, was a reality. From the text today, we see that false teachers are described as dreamers. So my hope for the message today would be that all of us Christians would be better equipped to identify and unmask false teachers as dreamers in order that we would ourselves avoid them and their false teaching and that we would be able to help those who wouldn't identify them in order to avoid damage to the church. And even though Jude is specifically speaking about false teachers here, I want to apply this generally to everyone who's outside of Christ. Anyone and everyone who's outside of Jesus Christ. If you are outside of Jesus Christ, you are living in a dream world. You are living as though your dream is reality. So I want to consider that as well. So again, unmasking false teachers as dreamers. And very quickly, I just want to note I want to head, I want to go head on to this verse and particularly with dreams. I am not, my focus today is not to go uh, all over scripture and look at the different ways that dreams is used. For, for, exa- for example, Acts chapter 2 verse 17, it talks about old men dreaming dreams. I don't, I don't want to look at all the different aspects of dreams and consider all the different ins and outs of dreams. I want to Primarily, look at what Judas is hitting on right here, which is false teachers and their false dreams. So I have a question that I'm going to be uh, asking during the message today that I want to permeate through the message today, okay? So this is the question. Do you, do we trust, do we rely, do we put our confidence in our imagination, or do we trust, do we rely Do we have our confidence in God's revelation? Or to ask it a different way, are you governed? Do you base your decisions off of how you feel? Or are you governed? Do you base your decision off what God has revealed in his word? And so before diving into verse 8, I want to step back and consider the book of Jude. We've been going through the book of, or I've been going through the book of Jude, right? And so the thesis of the book we see in verses 3 and 4. So I just want to consider that and remind us of verses 3 and 4 and what this book is actually talking about. So it says in verse 3 and 4, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So in this letter, Jude is making his appeal to Christians to contend for the faith, to war for the truth. And we all need a daily reminder that we are actively currently right now in a spiritual 
war for the truth. It's, this is reality. What, what did Paul say in Ephesians chapter 6? He said, we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, right? So we all need to recognize how serious, how urgent this war is for the truth. Flesh and blood war, that's earthly consequence. That's temporal consequence, right? But that's not the war that Jude is addressing here. This war is of eternal consequence, eternal life and death hang in the balance. So how much more serious and urgent should we view this war? That's precisely and exactly why Jude says in verse 3, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. You did not say he thought that it might be a possibly a good idea for you to consider. Optional. No. He found it completely necessary. And why is it? Well, it's because of what he says in verse 4. He says there that false teachers crept in unnoticed. So are you, Christian, prepared to identify and unmask false teachers when they come into this church? That's the reality. Uh, we, we've seen it. I, I remember particularly when we were meeting at Mark's outing, for, formerly known as Fatty Burgers. I, I remember coming across false teachers. It happens, right? Are you prepared? This is not the task, the job only for the pastor, for the leader, for the preacher, for the deacon. No, this is the task for Christians. And Jude helps us. He writes this to help us on this mission. Jude helps us peel back the mask of false teachers in order to expose them before they do great damage to the church. So Jude writes and he gives us some key. He gives us some help, okay? So the first key that Jude writes and explains is describing these false teachers as dreamers. You see that in the text. Next, he gives three characteristics regarding these dreamers. And so these are the characteristics here. First, dreamers are immoral. They defile the flesh. Second, dreamers are insubordinate. They reject authority. And third, dreamers are irreverent. They blaspheme the glorious ones. They are immoral, insubordinate, and irreverent. I, 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 which is actually what these false teachers are. When we get through it, you'll see that it's all egocentric. This, this is, the, this is the, the fuel that motivates them to do what they do. Selfish ambition. I, I, I. Well, verse 8. Verse 8 begins with the conjunction, yet. You see that in the ESV? Yet. This indicates a connection between the previous verses and the one that's to follow. Verse 8. Says they're yet in like manner, these people also. So the question would be what people? What what manner? What what is he talking about? Well, again, verse four. People crept in unnoticed. They are described as ungodly people, people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. They are described as denying their only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Then you see verse five, six, and seven. You see Israel. And their unbelief. You see the angels rejecting God's authority. And you see Sodom 
and Gomorrah indulging in sexual immorality. So the connection of these people starts in verse 4, and it continues on, leading to verse 8, but it continues on through the letter. Yet, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Just a quick note, relying is in the ESV, but if you have any other translation, I don't believe it says relying. Relying is a word that the ESV inserted. It's not in the original. Yet, I do believe that it conveys well what Jude's intent is. Um, One of his points is these people, these false teachers, they rely, they trust, they depend, where? On their imaginations. They depend on their dream. That's where they rely. They don't trust, depend on the word of God, on God's revelation. No, they depend on their own imagination. They are completely, 100% wrapped in and governed by subjectivity. What they think and how they feel, it, it governs how they act and what they believe. And again, it's all motivated by I, selfish, sinful, ambition. But that's the exact opposite of someone who is, has a humble disposition to Scripture. It's not about I, I, I. It's about him, 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 right? That's the key difference between someone who's governed by selfish ambition and dreams versus someone who has a humble disposition to Scripture and rely on God's revelation. Motivated by selfish ambition. They live, the false teachers live in a fantasy fictional dream world. They don't live in Reality. There's no place for sola scriptura in this dream world where the false teachers live. Just listen to what John MacArthur says about this verse. He says, Jude refers to a confused state of the soul or an abnormal imagination producing dreams in which the ego is controlled and held captive by ungodly sensual confusion. Like we see in verse 4. These ungodly people, they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. You see that in verse 4. They are enslaved to, they're completely consumed by their own sinful passions. And therefore, because of that, they twist the word of God. They manipulate the word of God. And they rely on their supposed dreams. They twist and pervert the grace of God into sensuality. They basically make things up as they go along. However, whatever is going to fit their agenda, their ambition, their heart's desire, they will manipulate things to make it fit what they want. I'll give one quick example of how this could look like, okay? There was a man who was a part of this church years ago. Many people, including myself, looked up to this man as a mature brother in Christ. Well, one day he called me. And in that phone conversation, he attempted to convince me that it would have been right and appropriate for him to divorce his wife. Now, his wife apparently had some legitimate uh, mental health problems. But in that conversation, I realized that there was absolutely no legitimate grounds for divorce. So I reminded him what the scripture taught. He proceeded 
in that conversation to look outside of the Bible and into his subjective feelings to justify his actions. Well, you know what I found out sometime later? That all around that conversation, before that conversation, during that conversation, and after that conversation, this man was involved in an ongoing adulterous relationship. Very convenient to try to manipulate God's word when you have this type of thing going on. You see, his lust, his passions, his desires is what fueled and led him to rely on his imagination rather than on God's revelation. Again, question for us. Do you rely on how you feel or do you rely on what God has revealed? Those who rely on dreams and set of scripture become deaf and blind to reality and truth. It means they don't want, it's not that they can't see it, it's that they don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know. Those who come become completely deaf and blind to reality. Those who rely on their dreams. For instance, have you ever heard someone say something like, or maybe you've said it, in the past, or maybe someone here has said it, something like, my God is a loving God. He's completely loving. He's all loving. He would never, ever, ever send anyone to hell. Or maybe Adolf Hitler and people like that, but not the majority of people, no. What, what, what is fueling this type of thought? Why are they saying that? We know that the, the God that they are describing is a figment of their own imagination. This God exists, but it exists only in their dreams. So what, what are they basing this idea on? There's no objective truth to that statement. None. They are relying on their imaginations, on their Dreams, they look to themselves as the standard to what is right and wrong, what is black and white, what is left and right, what God is saying and what he's not saying. No, Christians don't do that. We don't look to ourselves to figure it out. We look outside of ourselves to God's word to see what is right and wrong, what is left and right, what is black and white, what God is saying and what he's not saying in his word. Here's something else people might say. You probably heard this as well. And I hear it at work sometimes. God told me. God showed me. God revealed to me in a dream, in a vision. And that statement leads them to now say what, what is contrary to Scripture. Clearly contrary to what God's Word says. Consider dreams a little bit more with me. Dreams are revealed only to the one who has the dream. The only way that someone else can have that dream, uh, knowledge of that dream, is if the dreamer reveals it to him or her. Except for something supernatural like we've seen in the Old Testament. But what we're talking about here is you cannot know that the, the knowledge or the information of that dream unless the dreamer reveals it to you or God. No one else has it. Which means that if the dreamer has revealed, hypothetically has re truth revealed to them, then all of you are outside of the truth. Don't, they're dark, you're darkened to that you have no knowledge of the truth unless or until, hypothetically, I, the dreamer, give that truth to you. 
It's the only way you can have it. Now you're dependent on the dreamer to now have the truth. That's, that's exactly what these false teachers, they, they love that. From Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Joseph Smith, so on and so forth. They want you to ultimately rely on them and on their dreams rather than on Scripture. But again, the root of the issue with these false teachers relying on their dreams is that they are ungodly people. And this is what I mean. It's not that their dreams, they they have dreams, and because of their dreams, they become contaminated, right? As though the dreams itself is what corrupted them. No, they are ungodly people. And therefore, because of that, they dream dreams. They are ungodly people, and therefore, they rely on their dreams. They are ungodly people, and therefore, they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Don't think that these false teachers are victims of the lies, but they deep down within really, really, really want to know the truth. That's not the case for these false teachers that Judah's writing about. These people believe the lies because they are ungodly and because they are led astray by their various lusts, passions, and pleasures. So continuing in verse 8, we see now that the dreamers are, first point, immoral. First characteristic are that they are immoral. It says there, these people relying on their dreams defile the flesh. Defile the flesh. Defile means to stain, to pollute, to corrupt. When this word, together with flesh, the word corrupt or defile is combined with the word flesh, it usually has to do with sexual immorality. So we shouldn't be surprised when the news comes out about a particular false teacher that they were involved in some adulterous relationship. I'm going to give an example. Um, Some of you may be familiar with this. There was a false teacher who was caught in adultery. This is what happened. This man led Bible studies, prayer meetings, and there was a woman, a particular woman, who was involved in the Bible study and prayer meetings. This woman was a married woman. He had, this man, this teacher, had an ongoing adulterous relationship with this woman. And so this man eventually ended up murdering her husband. They were actually, it was a combined effort. The woman was in on it. And so the man and the woman were having secret conversations about covering up this murder. And so the authorities suspected that this man was involved. And so they were able to secretly record their conversations. And during those conversations, this man prayed to God, supposedly the God of the Bible, that God would give them courage boldness, wisdom, as they spoke to the authorities about covering up the murder. Interesting, right? This man, you you can hear the recordings, he was quoting scripture. He was quoting God's word in those prayers. Foolish man. This man was relying on his dreams, his imaginations. This man was living in a dream world, and he was led away by his lust defiling the flesh. 
This man was indulged in sexual immorality and he bowed down to a God, but not this God. He bowed down to the God of his own imagination. That's the God that he bowed down to. But Israel did the same thing. We see the example of Israel in verse 5. Israel did the same thing. Numbers 25, Israel whored after the daughters of Moab. Right after that, it says that they bowed down to Moab's gods. There's a connection between Israel's lust and bowing down to false gods. Israel's passion led them to whore after idols. And that's exactly what the false teachers do, whether it's a physical statute or not. They always end up with a fictional fantasy God of their own making, of their own creation, of their own imagination. Israel was involved in sexual morality. Jude verse 7 talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, and of course they were involved in sexual immorality. It's possible that they're never caught in this lifetime, the false teachers, or it may be possible that they never commit the physical act of adultery. It's possible that they appear clean from the outside, just like the Pharisees. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 23? Talking about the Pharisees, whitewashed tombs, outwardly appearing beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones. The dreamers in the book of Jude are immoral. Exposing and unmasking false teachers includes detecting immorality. Well, moving on, we see here they reject authority. Dreamers are insubordinate. The word authority in the Greek is closely connected to the word kurias. You guys familiar with the word kurias? It means Lord. You've heard that from this pulpit. They reject lordship. That's what the word is. This is ultimately the lordship of Jesus Christ himself. As we see in verse 4, they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. This is just flowing out of that. Verse 4. False teachers ultimately do not submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. They don't submit to his word. The Lord of the universe has sovereignly ordained and orchestrated people of authority to be over us in our lives. Just listen to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. It says there, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that, ha- that exist have been instituted by God. So those in your life who are in a position of authority over you have this authority by who? By Satan? By the president? By God, right? God has orchestrated all of this. So this position of authority in your life was given by God himself. False teachers, they don't submit to authority, whether it be the Lord Jesus Christ or the authorities under him. They reject authority. They reject lordship. Now, this does not necessarily mean that those who are over you as authority will be godly and Christ-like. An example of this we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, talking about the wives with their husbands. The wives are to submit to their husbands, and in that context, the husband is an unbeliever. Our ultimate authority is the Lord 
and his word, scripture, and it's the final authority. Now, we realize that if any authority under the Lord commands us to act contrary to scripture, we are to declare like Peter did, we must obey God rather than man, right? And that's a reality that sometimes our authorities ask us to do things or command us to do, do things that scripture would say not to do. False teachers reject, and it's not that false teachers just reject it because they're contradicting scripture. No, they reject lesser authorities in general. And that reveals their ultimate rejection of the higher authority, God. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like to give an example. If my children say, we reject mom's authority, but we accept your authority, my authority. Say, no, by rejecting my wife's authority, you're automatically res- uh, disrespecting and rejecting the husband's authority. Automatically. We are living in a day and an age, and you don't, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. You don't have to have a Facebook. We're living in a day and an age where authority is openly rejected and celebrating the rejection of authority. It's true. Now, I believe that the authority that this is speaking of is directly in Jude, speaking about church leaders in the time of Jude, like apostles and pastors and deacons. But we can apply it generally. But speaking about church leaders, such as pastors and deacons, they have been placed in our lives as authority. We don't want to be like the unbelieving false teachers who reject authority. We don't want to follow in their footsteps. Many people, and I know this from my experience, and many of you do as well, many people will not have a pastor be over them. They don't want any spiritual leader in their lives as an authority. Well, people who continue in that disposition go on to apostatize. It's true. This is not a light matter. This is the spirit of false teachers. False teachers reject authority. Now, they ultimately reject Christ's lordship and scripture's authority. And it reveals, it's manifested in the rejection of lesser authorities. Those who rely on their dreams reject the authority of scripture and place their dreams, they place their agenda, they place their desires and their imaginations over scripture. Their dreams, their imagination over God's revelation. Reflecting on this reality on authorities, here's a question for all of us here today. How do you and I speak about our authorities? Do you speak in such a way so as to honor them before others or in such a way so as to bring them down before others? Believe me, this is not a light matter. Again, this is the spirit of false teachers. Just listen to Numbers verse, uh, chapter 12. It says there, Aaron and Miriam spoke out against Moses and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. It's a big deal. Being characterized, having this life habitually being characterized by rejection of authority, the anger of the Lord is associated with that. Now, you may disagree with your authorities from time to time, 
But that's not the question here of the rejection of authority. The question is, do you submit to authority that God has placed over you? Now, there are some authorities that are more permanent, like husband and wife. That relationship and that authority is meant and designed to be as long as life itself, right? Permanent. There are others which are legitimately, uh, you're able to transition from one to another. For example, being under the care of a pastor to another pastor. That's, that's a reality. Many of you know that my family and I, we moved back to San Antonio because we could not, in a good conscience, be under the care and the, of the pastor from our last church. If you are not able to submit to your elder, to your pastors, if you can't do that in a good conscience, then you need to find yourself a good church with faithful pastors that you can't submit and be under. Unmasking dreamers includes detecting a rebellious spirit toward authority. Israel murmured, we talked about them, he murmured against Moses and Aaron time and time and time again. The angels, they rebelled against God. They left their proper dwelling. They, they rejected his authority. Even if you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah, they rejected the truth, and, and the truth is an authority. They rejected the truth that was down to even their conscience that was revealed to them. Romans chapter 1 says people are given over to homosexuality after suppressing the truth that they knew in unrighteousness. Sodom and Gomorrah did not submit to this truth. They rejected the truth, and therefore they rejected authority. False teachers reject Authority and unmasking false teachers as dreamers involves detecting a rebellious spirit against authority. Well, the last part, verse 8, it says there, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And blaspheme the glorious ones. Dreamers are irreverent. Dreamers are immoral as they defile the flesh, they are insubordinate as they reject authority. And lastly, they are irreverent as they blaspheme the glorious ones. To blaspheme means to profane. To profane or, or to curse that which is holy or sacred. To treat the glorious beings in such a way so as to bring them down, overlooking their glory, their power, their might. And seeking, while they, as though that wasn't enough, they do that in combination with seeking to elevate themselves over these glorious ones. Well, the, the Greek glorious ones is the word doxa. Is this, does that sound familiar? Doxa. Doxology. This word has to do with praise, glory, honor, worship, weight, worth. The context is clear. Jude is speaking about blaspheming angels. If you just turn over to verse 9, there's one verse down. It says there, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Fallen angels and even Satan himself are referred to as the glorious ones. 
There's a sense in which we can have an irreverence and even a disrespect even towards Satan and the fallen angels. Just think about Michael in verse 9. The great archangel Michael, he himself being the great archangel, didn't even think to pronounce a blasphemous curse against the devil. Listen to the parallel passage in 2 Peter chapter 2. You can turn there if you're quick. It's just the book over, um, verse 10, or you could listen. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. These dreamers, you notice in the text there, they don't tremble. They have no hesitation, far from it. They carelessly, flippantly, arrogantly, ignorantly blaspheme the glorious ones. Even while those greater in might and in power wouldn't even think to do such a thing. Remember what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 2 about Jesus. It says Jesus was made for a little while lower than the angels. This is talking about during his incarnation. So this is what this means. Men are lower than the angels while here on earth. Peter says that the angels are greater in might and in power. Yet, despite this reality, they don't live in reality. They live in a dream world. So despite this reality, dreamers stand with their chest raised as though they were some match for the devil. (laughs) TBN is full of this, I'll call it garbage, full of this craziness full of this delusion they stand people in that channel and in a lot of other places with a bible raised quoting from the bible fearlessly foolishly arrogantly blaspheming dreamers false teachers They do it with no tremble in their voice, no tremble, no fear, no hesitation, as they flippantly blaspheme doxa. Dreamers are irreverent as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Again, think about Israel. Israel was irreverent many times during the great exodus, but one of the times they took, they molded a golden calf (laughs) to be their God. Think about that. They molded for themselves a God, golden calf, to be their God when they had all the things that God had done. We talked about it when we we were in verse 5, all the things that God did for them. And yet, blasphemy, they took something and made out of their own hands, their creation, a God. That's blasphemy. They blasphemed God. They cursed him to his face in order to have this golden calf. Sodom and Gomorrah, they blasphemed as they sought sexual relations with the angels. They pursued the angels even after the angels struck them blind. They still tried to kick the door down. It's blasphemy. False teachers are dreamers, and therefore they do not and will not see doxa with the right perspective they are completely consumed and wrapped up in their dreams and therefore they are delusional about reality 
They live in their dream world, their fantasy fictional dream world. And in their dream world, they command God. They command Satan. They name it and claim it. They blab it and grab it. They profess it and possess it. They command Satan and his demons where to go, how to go, when to go, what to do. They stomp on the devil. They bind the devil along with all his demons. They brag to everyone about how they handled the devil. And they do all of this and more in their dreams, not in reality. They do it in their fictional fantasy dream world. Remember something, dreams don't last forever. Just like my patient sleeping on that dialysis treatment, dreamers are bound to be woken up from their dreams. And when they're woken up, they will be woken up into reality. However, many of them will be woken up into the reality in hell. So Christian, Christians, us, we are enlisted in this war for the truth, to contend for the faith. Don't be passive in this war for the truth. Know the characteristic of dreamers. If you don't know the characteristics, you don't know what to look for, how are you going to expose them? And you want to unmask and expose false teachers as dreamers. Exposing them is a loving thing to do. It shows that you love God and his truth. It shows that you care about his sheep. You want to protect his sheep. It shows that you hate false doctrine and its lies. Dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Do you trust, again, do you trust, do you rely on your imagination, or do you trust and do you rely on God's revelation? Are you governed? Do you make your decisions based on how you feel? Or are you governed and base your decision off what God has revealed? Now, in closing, I just, I just want to consider this. I, I, I realize that there might be and there are people that um, aren't false teachers here, right? Yet are outside of Christ. You don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't know the God of this book. Well, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 29. I want to leave with this thought. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 7 and 8. It says there, In the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her, shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. So I want to leave with this consideration. Dreams, not reality. What, what do we see in this text here? We have a, a delusion. Back up before that, we have an emptiness. All of us do. And we sense the emptiness. And you see it. You see people. 
and how they crave and they hunger after their cars, their money, their possession, their respect, whatever it may be, their titles, whatever it may be. And they think, oh, I'm going to be satisfied now. I'm going to have everything that's going to fill up this emptiness. And then they wake up from their delusion only to realize it's still empty. There's nothing. None of that has satisfied. You will never have that satisfaction until you're completed in Christ. You will always live in this delusional, fictional dream world until you snap back into reality. In one of two ways, you snap back into reality in your death, in hell, or you snap back into the reality with Christ entering and waking you up to reality. Those are the options here. The last part here, it says, So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion, Psalm 2 and various places talk about the nations raging. They're plotting in vain. But, but, but see, the nations are every single one of us outside of Christ. We, we go up armed against this God, this God here. And we are delusional thinking that we're doing something and we're doing nothing. God says that he laughs at the plots. But the reality is we are unable to conquer this God. We can't do it. We can't think to do it. This is a delusion to think that you can. And yet, God, in his mercy and grace, comes to man and does the unthinkable. And now, we, we come to him not with our arms. We're all emptied of that. God, in his mercy and grace, reconciles us to him. And now we have, it says in Romans chapter 5, peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are at war with God. We're enemies of God. We're hostile to God. You don't have to be a false teacher to be wrapped up in a dream world. But you also don't have to stay there. Christ is ready to wake you up today. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you do wake up people from their dreams. You save. You do what we can't do for ourselves. Lord, please wake, wake up today, Lord. Let, help us to see the reality, Lord, that all the things that we strive for can never, ever, ever satisfy us. Only you can, and only you do. Thank you for this time, Lord. I pray for the message ahead, Lord, that you would empower James, that you would help us to to just really humble ourselves to your word and receive it and believe it. In the name of your son, amen.